if you get lost in the jungle are you up in in the woods Welcome to episode seven of Two Please. I'm your host Abin, and I'm your co-host Rohit. And after last week's episode on feel-good movies, things are about to take a bit of a wrong turn. Are they going to get sinister? Oh, we are sure to be conjuring up some memories of films that ruined our childhood. Thinking back of movies that we held a grudge against. I think it's a bit much now. No, I think we should stop. they should have gotten it by now yeah by now i have a feeling that there this week's episode revolves around all the films that absolutely scared the shit out of us as children uh be i mean these films may not be as scary or as relevant as of today but when we first saw it we it gave us many a sleepless night and many a horrid memory so with that being said i think it's time we got on with the show So this is a bit of a, a slightly weird deviation. I think last week when we were talking about what we discuss on this week's podcast, we were actually this this idea to me came came off from something we did on on the last week's podcast where we were talking about feel good movies and I mentioned Martyrs and a, and a few days later I was like you know what Martyrs terrified me now but what terrified me as a child and what are the films I have a trouble I have trouble going back to and that felt like. a topic we could both discuss because everyone has that core set of films that changed their uh, perspective on horror that kind of made people check under their beds before they went to bed uh, look at them made them darker as individuals inside <laughs> <laughs> but yeah go on i think the other point that uh, you also were making which is at, at least i'm sure at least one or two of the movies uh, of our five movies that we're discussing today Our movies we watched because uh, specifically because people told us not to watch it, and yeah. kids being kids, we were like, you know what, I'm going to watch it. And then after the movie, we realized, okay, now I know why they told me not to watch it. Curiosity, you know, when they mentioned curiosity, there's the cat. Like, no, no cats that were murdered in this process. But my innocence and my uh, my conscience was scarred beyond repair. <laughs> I have a. I actually I get to, I don't want to reveal too much before we dive into each of our films but I have a distinct fear of something because of some of, some of the movies on this list yeah so do I I mean not things I'm likely to encounter in life but yeah but anyways <laughs> let's let's get into the yeah. take of it then yeah so okay I think what we can first talk about is we can I mean we we can talk about scenes from movies that weren't necessarily horror movies but at the same time had some sort of lasting impact on us uh is there anything particular that that comes to mind cuz i have one go for it um this is this is the the earliest i remember being scared and it was from 1950 sleeping beauty you know 60 sleeping beauty which mm-hmm. 
and it is the process and it is just as maleficent is uh is about to trick aurora into pricking her finger on the spindle wheel but as she's sleeping a um, maleficent shows up in this weird fog like form and then draws her out and that scared the shit out of me dude as a child i would like not look at the television i'd look away and now i'm just thinking about it and i'm getting goosebumps i'm just like cuz i remember just remember that you always remember the feeling uh you have you have you have when you when you first saw something like that unfold right so yeah yeah like bit by bit from the musical cues to uh, aurora being led up the stairs in a trance like in a in a trance like situation it was was one of like as i must have been 3 or 4 when i first saw it and it is genuinely genuinely scared the shit out of me even though i i've i've seen i've seen sleeping beauty on multiple on viewing since but still that one scene stands out to me for me uh, i don't know if you can call it a scene but more like a visual maybe mm-hmm. but uh, i remember watching the grinch on tv as a kid uh, but and there's a scene where jim carrey just he does the that finger twirl and that wide grin just keeps getting wider wider to the point where you know only somebody can jim carrey like jim carrey can stretch it out and with all of that makeup and stuff not knowing the background of the movie whatever like i just remember that visual and as a kid i was like that is fucked up man like i i think that was the movie that drove me like that what do you mean i think genuinely because like now jim jim carrey is more is much more eccentric I, and this was he'd done this and he'd done man on the moon a year later if i'm not mistaken which is the andy kaufman story yeah yeah uh, man on the moon is that old is it 2000 2001 Oh okay. And that was a movie that was like it he he changed after that film right like yeah. these two and the grinch was his biggest challenge yet cuz the makeup I think he yeah. had a, a he was wearing yak fur. Yeah and he got um, he had to uh, consult a CIA torture specialist to mm-hmm. learn techniques on how to not go mad sitting in the makeup chair 5 hours a day or something. Yeah it's just it's pretty intense. I have scary memories of the Grinch as well but not because of the movie but because as I played it on uh, our VCD player back in the early 2000s the VCD player broke and then I got whacked for it so uh, <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's my association with the Grinch Nabin Nabin who ruined Christmas Nabin who ruined the VCD player Pash you're listening to this I'm still sorry <laughs> Okay so which is your first movie then let's get down to the list I think we should start from the very beginning I think we should go back to where it all began. I mean obviously Sleeping Beauty was was one of the first few scenes but the one thing that really terrified me as a child and even from the poster was uh, Sam Raimi's Evil Dead. There was and when we first moved to Bangalore there were posters of, of the film everywhere and you know there were those hand painted posters and generally like photoshop of the 90s uh, at play and I remember like being terrified just looking at the poster and the first One of the first memories I had was my parents were taking me for a movie and as in symphony and as I was climbing up the stairs I didn't know what movie we were going for and I looked looked to my left and I saw uh, the evil dead poster and I flipped like I I flipped and I started crying howling and I threw up on the stairs I was that terrified but my you parents threw up on <laughs> yeah my my parents still dragged me up The, why did your parents take you to watch evil dead dude i'm getting to it um okay. and then we're sitting in the hall and i am like terrified terrified why 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 are we here 
and then the words jumanji come on screen i'm like oh okay <laughs> so you didn't oh this is a bait and switch you didn't watch evil dead not then i didn't watch evil dead <laughs> Okay. But I watched Jumanji and then I got really scared there as well because Jumanji is not a, it's, it's a kids movie yeah. but it's actually pretty pretty fucking terrifying and with the role of the lies it's still scary enough and then a year later we were it was me and my aunt and my cousin we were sitting at home and uh, I picked up and he's and she said Avin Avin hasn't watched Evil Dead let's watch Evil Dead I must have been 7 or 8 at the time your aunt should have said let's watch Jumanji and put Evil Dead on instead <laughs> I I sat through the entire thing and I have not been more terrified in my life. At the premise even from the opening shot of the camera moving over the water and following uh the car driving into the woods it's like it's a film that instills a sense of dread like as soon as the credits start like when you see the first credit on screen and is that there's this horrible theme that that accompanies the the, main, the set of characters as they approach the cabin in the woods and then when things start to spiral and uh they and then they read the incantations and then now i think about it back then i had no idea what the tree was doing but it was terrifying but now i know what the tree the whole the, the controversial tree scene from evil dead is about because i watched the film many a, a year later right and um it was when i first saw it it was it scared me at I, I was crying i was just there are so many aspects of the film that terrify me with uh with the girl they lock up in in the basement and as and she's banging and she gets possessed and she's banging against the against the trap door trying to get out there's blood gore flowing everywhere and uh, let me and just in, confirm one thing here you yeah. watch this at home yeah on a vhs on a vhs you had the remote with you no oh okay i was wondering why you were putting yourself through this if you could just stop and walk away no 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 that's that, that's my thing with horror films right i The horror films give me sleep. No, I mean, if, if, if like you said, you're crying. If you're crying, yeah. why are you still watching the movie? Just, I think I was just like I'm like, oh, what is happening? What is happening? And it it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger, right? It ends with the evil in the woods mm-hmm. rushing Ash, and then cuts to credits. We watched the Omen after that. I don't know what my family were on, dude. That was fine. The Omen, I have what, no problem. Fine after that, like right after that. No, like a couple of hours or... later. A couple of hours later. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know, dude. Now the more I think about it, the, the stranger it feels. What a very strange childhood. <laughs> watch Titanic five times in a day on New Year's. You uh, watch Evil Dead and The Omen back to back. Interesting. I'm getting interesting insights into your childhood. I know, right? It's like it explains so much. <laughs> But yeah, it's um, it was a film I I stayed away from for many years, and then I did a, then I went and did a bit of. research on it and then i realized there were three films uh, and i'd been seeing posters for army of darkness ever since i was a kid but i'd never associated it to be the third installment in a franchise mm-hmm. so i'd say uh 2009 2010 when we were just switching from high school to college with the three month mm-hmm. period where we were off and one sunday i was like you know what i want to try and watch evil dead and i watched evil dead 2 because it was it was higher rated than the first one Mm-hmm. I had a blast with that movie. That movie was just is is scary, but is also absolutely hilarious. One It has a camp aesthetic, very camp. Very, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, then I because after as soon as I finished it, I went and watched Evil Dead Two One, and Evil Dead One is definitely played more for scares. 
mm-hmm. obviously the effects don't hold up as much these days because the guys who made it made it on a shoestring budget and they were yeah. and this is when people all of them were starting out it was sam raimi on a bike with a camera attached to it and uh, riding it through the woods they had uh, joran ethan cohen come in for rewrites uh Tom Savini was oh Joel and Ethan Cohen were involved in the rewrites oh yeah yeah they are oh they, because they I have are. a very interesting panda about Evil Dead and uh, the Cohen brothers in fact yeah. I've asked this in a question I don't know if you've seen it hmm. I've asked this in a quiz uh, so there's the there's a scene so in the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou hmm. the cabin where George Clooney's character's family lives hmm. the one that he's left and he's trying to like escape from it and all of that it's the same cabin that was used in Evil Dead. No. So I thought Coen so, Brothers were just making a random reference. No, no, no. They were on set. I didn't know they were on the. Oh, yeah, okay. So the Coen Brothers and Sam Raimi go, uh, 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 go way back. If not both of oh. them, I know Joel was definitely on set. Hmm. Uh, and Bruce Campbell. And like it was not the most, like the more research you do into Evil Dead, the more you realize just uh, how challenging shooting the entire thing was. It's somewhere up in in Minnesota or someplace very cold. So mm. the 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 cast didn't really have access to thermal heating to, uh, aware so they were shooting in the cold it was really frigid conditions uh they were being forced to wear a lot of makeup some of them quit so Ted Raimi for many parts had to substitute as like the undead characters for many of uh, of the actresses who were who were then possessed because it was it was Ted Raimi in a lot of makeup the first one obviously is was as i said was meant was played for scares the second uh however is like embraces mm. the campness of it all and in my opinion is a much better movie the third is a straight up comedy it's like there are elements of horror but i would say it is it's 95% a comedy and 5% of horror because uh that you know the whole um, whole like ash holding up a shotgun and saying this is my boomstick and <laughs> going around saying give me some sugar honey and just very very camp shit two still in my opinion is the standard of the franchise and for those of us who watched these movies something very similar was happening on new tv as well which shows like the horror show are truly embracing that camp horror aesthetic and drawing from the movies of the ramsey brothers who probably the sam raimi vindian cinema in that sense see horror show being the early iteration was slightly rougher on the edges but are truly brought those sort of scares into indian homes so i think around the time i was 10 11 yeah 10 to 12 was when i first started liking horror movies obviously i had been exposed to um, some horror movies before that and one or two of them are also on my list but uh, was around the time around 10 to 12 was when i started liking horror movies because of the adrenaline rush you get when you're scared and then you're like wow this is this feels nice for the next 10 seconds the high that you're riding feels nice so i was like okay this is what watching horror is about i can i can get on board and i think that's about around the time that uh, ahart i mean ahart started in 96 but yeah it was it was the good bits were on up, uh, up until 2002 2003 i think ahart also uh, got revived in 2015 16 but that was shit like it was mm-hmm. 2015 16 stories with 95 level animation 1995 yeah. mm-hmm. terrible So, but anyways, uh, I used to enjoy watching Ahad. Z horror show, like you said, was a little earlier, a little before Ahad. And at that point, I wasn't as much into horror as I was maybe two, three years down the line. So for me, yes. While I would say Ahad, from what I remember, what memory serves me, Ahad had the better storylines, slightly better animation, uh, and also like 
Junoon was also in the 90s. I mean, not a Ramsey Brothers movie, but mm. uh, it was uh, our, a, our Rahul Roy movie. His name is yeah, Rahul Roy. He's a werewolf, right? Yeah, it's a remake of a, an American werewolf in London, but yeah, uh, yeah. So I remember that there's one scene where she's walking. I just remember one scene from the movie. It's like those vague, foggy childhood memories you have. There's one scene she's walking down a corridor. Mm-hmm. and the next shot is of his eyes turning from human to like wolf eyes yeah 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 and it alternates between her walking down the corridor his eyes corridor eyes corridor i'm like oh, okay firstly what is happening second what is ha- like this creepy I, I, the, i think that shots kind of remained with me but yeah junoon was around that time you right mm. slightly earlier maybe 92 93 time no yeah around 90 yeah, around 90 around then yeah. mm Okay, But yeah, I think that that. Uh, sorry, you, sorry. You want to take the next one? Cool. Um, okay. So the next one, um, the next movie I'd like to talk about again, not a horror movie by any stretch of the imagination, but at the time it it did scare uh, scare me a lot. So I remember when I was growing up, I was really into dinosaurs, like really into dinosaurs. I used to have stickers uh, of them on my study table and. Uh, on my book i used to buy books which had pictures of dinosaurs on them my pencil box everything like i was really into dinosaurs like, like i'm keep saying that again and again but yes so when uh, jurassic i think when jurassic park the first movie came out i was what 4 years old yeah 95 so oh, jurassic park the first one yeah 95 94 93 94, yeah then no chance i, mm, I it was, was uh, even, it was it was the spielberg year right cuz he had jurassic park and schindler's, schindler's list hmm. how do so, you go uh, I, i don't i don't yeah yeah <laughs> i mean he's done he's done miracles like that yeah, like yeah. that again and again over and mm. over but yeah so obviously 93 was so the first movie was too early for me but uh, when the second movie came out that coincided with my dinomania so i really pestered my parents into uh, going to the theater and like so that we watch it uh, in the theaters and i don't know if you recall there's a specific scene in the second one where the t-rex is chasing the group uh, through the forest and they're like running in a uh, line in a row and mm. they run into this cave be- uh, behind a waterfall yeah, no, and huh. then there's one salamander or something that goes inside one guy's shirt he runs out mm. and then the t-rex mm. comes and then there's like a waterfall of blood ஏன்ஸ்ன் the way it shot is the t-rex and the people are running towards the camera it's not a side view they're running towards the camera hmm. and it wasn't 3d obviously but to a i mean to a kid like myself i was what five maybe four five years old no, lost world is like, 98 right 98 yeah then yeah, six seven years old hmm. uh, and then i was like okay that i'm i'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with this uh, what is happening and uh, i started feeling a little uneasy and uh, when that whole thing happens when the guy is trying to remove something out of his shirt gets out of and the t-rex catches him and the mm. blood waterfall happens 
at that point i was just like i am straight up not having a good time bro <laughs> like started crying and uh, i told my parents okay screw this this was a bad idea my bad guys can you please leave <laughs> like i don't want to watch because in my head obviously i i i had never considered the the scary side of dinosaurs right in my head dinosaurs are like cool awesome they will be like chill guys it, it's going to be a fun outing suddenly it's like rivers of blood this is not what i signed up for so like i i distinctly remember i cried until my parents made like i made sure that my parents uh, took me out of the theater we went back home and i told them i'm really sorry i like dinosaurs <laughs> i'm not saying that So I have I can even yeah go ahead yeah. I have a a very vivid recollection of the lost world like I you know one of those deeds you remember as a child that just somehow sticks with you and like you remember like like minute details of your day I mm. I have that memory for the lost world I really enjoyed the film and there were points where I was terrified but I was like I can't let my parents know I'm terrified so I'm going to laugh through it So I laughed through most of the. You are the psycho who was laughing in the theater. Yeah. I'm like, like ah! and then like the T-Rex chased them. I'm like, oh, that's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> also, like <laughs> shitting my pants, but also terror, but also having a great time nonetheless. So, so the, like it's one of those. And my parents like, what? What have we given? What is this child for? <laughs> Your dad probably was like, I told you we shouldn't have made him watch. Uh, we shouldn't have tricked him uh, into watching Jumanji by Jumanji. saying he will die. We've broken something in him. <laughs> Like, like, what is this? What is this supposed to be? <laughs> and growing up now, like now, when you look at, especially with the new movies that have come in Jurassic World and I don't even know, Fallen Kingdom. That 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 was what the next movie was called, right? Jurassic that World, Fallen Kingdom. Like, if you look movie. at the entire series in retrospect, for me today, Jurassic Park is an exhibition of the futility of repeated optimism. It's like every movie they got to be dumb in different ways. Like first movie, okay, Richard Attenborough's character is like cool. We we've, we've got this awesome great park, blah blah blah. Shit went down. It all went south. Fine done. Second movie, they're like, you know what? It didn't work in remote Costa Rica. You know where it will work? In San Diego. Let's bring it. <laughs> let's bring dinosaurs into the city. Nothing's gonna go wrong with you know with us doing that. And then what happened? Shit went bad. Third movie, this dumbass kid is going parasailing or something in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. ఎగ్స్ like the the movies are great the characters are like everyone is dumb in different way in a different you know, way in every movie you know the funny thing was i like you always look at movies and you think oh my god how stupid are humans in these films are <laughs> and then you look at the reality of our situation right now when you still and you still say oh how dumb humans really are so it's Absolutely. not it's not bit of a, a stretch because Ian Mag- I mean, yeah. The the Jurassic World. They did the exact same thing that was the first movie. They're like, and they acknowledge it. They're like, uh, I forgot Richard Attenborough's character's name, but he's like that guy's park was mm-hmm. there. That things went wrong. We've done the exact same thing, but things won't go wrong in our park. Like, what is the logic, dude? Hey, we also like uh, combined a T Rex and a Velociraptor. No big deal. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then the next movie though is utterly insane. They're weaponizing yeah. dinosaurs. Like, who wrote this shit, dude? You're weaponizing... And, and there are people bidding like, yes, I want dinosaurs holding guns running into battle. Uh, like the entire franchise has completely gone off the rails now. This is so third coming. Lot, oh my god! Do you obviously going to make dino missiles or something? I don't <laughs> know. Dinosaurs will drop missiles now. I am waiting for uh, like a Jurassic Park and Fast and Furious uh, crossover. <laughs> yeah, that'll be awesome. <laughs> These aren't dinosaurs. These. This is family. <laughs> family. <laughs> But yeah, but before we go, I think there's one really like the one terrifying visual from the Lost World that stood with that still stayed with me all this while is the opening shot of the film where there where there's a there's a family holiday on an island and a little girl discovers oh, I, yeah, yeah and I a little got girl goosebumps thinking of that scene yeah mm-hmm. the little girl discovers uh, these these small dinosaurs and they start jumping on her and I think generally the mother finds her the the mother finds her eaten alive or something. Yeah, so yeah. that that's that's what's emphasized. And I think what's really great about that scene, I mean, to put our critique or our critical glasses again, mm-hmm. what's really great about that scene, right off the bat, it subverts every expectation or everything you thought you know about dinosaurs from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Like you know, big is scary or fast is scary, and right in the first scene, they're like, these are small dinosaurs, look harmless, but anything in this place can kill you. And then immediately you're entering the movie like unsure of what you thought you knew. Amazing way to set up the movie. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think that's something I want to talk about before we moved on to uh, yeah, my yeah. next one. Good, good thing you brought that up, really. Yeah. yeah. So continuing in uh, with the little monsterverse of horror movies, uh, the next movie I'm picking up is a uh, isn't considered to be a great movie by extent of the imagination. Has a, a pretty stellar cast, but also a, a really dumb premise. I'm of course talking about 1997's Anaconda. So there's again a story behind this. <laughs> the story is that my dad went to watch this in the theater by himself. He didn't take any mm-hmm. of us and I was very annoyed at the idea. I was like, how can you go? For I was, I'd been seeing promos for it everywhere. And I was like, oh, I won't get scared and all that nonsense. My dad said, fine, we'll get the laser disc on. You watch it in the house. I am watching the movie. Uh, I, but the thing I say, everybody go to your rooms and sleep. Nobody... Uh, like stay here. I want to watch this by myself. I must be eight years old at this point, seven or eight. Rocks for mm. brains. I don't know what I was thinking. I had then proceeded to get my get about seven different kinds of shit to scare out of me. Cause, oh my god, that movie terrified me. I was screaming. I was yelling. It. I had to watch Power Rangers after to calm down. It couldn't. Uh, it still didn't <laughs> calm down. <laughs> I couldn't sleep the night. I had to go sleep in my parents' room because I was so scared. It's just like really haunting visuals. Really, the, the more I think about it, the most like the more stupid the movie feels in comparison. But there are some really terrifying shots. The first death in the movie is uh, that is like from the main group that that die is is pretty scary. It's like uh, it's a snake that catches him in the water and then coils itself around. Then mm. Owen Wilson's. Uh, Owen Wilson also dies in like in the water somewhere, and as the snake as the snake is following them on the on the boat, you can see Owen Wilson's skull or like face in in its in its stomach. It's, oh shit! Yeah, so they they went through a lot. Like there's, there's a fair bit of scary visuals in it. So the the premise is these guys are going to uh, 
record like uh, an Amazonian tribe uh, and they ultimately end up stumbling into their territory of, of an anaconda. And uh, the anaconda is, is predatory. It's, it's also been attacked in the past. Like there's, there have been guys who've tried to hunt it. And, they, and this one guy who is like played by John Voight, who has intentions of hunting and killing, uh, killing the beast, just says he'll take them through the journey, but actually uses them as bait to, to get the snake. So mm-hmm. the film stars John Voight, Owen Wilson, Ice Cube, Jennifer Lopez. Had, had Ice Cube shed his NWA image, his hard man image by this time? Or? No, I think I he, mean, was, he still has some of it, but you get what I mean. He was, uh, uh, he was, this was, I think, four years after Boys in the Hood. So I think he was now pursuing the movie. Like the NW had split up by then because Easy had passed right, away. Right, uh, right. And NW had no, in, was he still that like, kind of? Kind of, I think so. But I think he was like, looking at more at, a, more at a mainstream movie career. This is one of those movies that doesn't, uh, th- that doesn't comply to certain movie tropes like a horror movie trope. It's usually like uh, the black character usually dies first in mm-hmm. in horror movies. Or like it's generally a trope. But in, and the white character, the, the, ultimately uh, the plain white girls end up surviving. But this time it's a Hispanic girl and, and a black character that make it out of the movie. And of course, Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's, and there's of course the white guy, there's a, there's a white guy who's been asleep throughout most of it, completely unaffected by everything that happened. So, Get the crap out of me. I can go nowhere near snakes anymore. Um, I'm just terrified all the bloody time. Um, it was, I was okay with pythons, but after that movie, it just. But if you hadn't seen this movie, would you not have been scared of snake? Not as much. I don't think I would have. I mean, I was intrigued by snakes. I, mean, I was a little afraid of them. Scary. Yeah. They still terrify me, but oh shit. Like watch this and the way the snake eats them like whole. And you, there are some scenes where you can see the body going through this, like the, the, the POV is through the stomach or like through the mouth. What? You see the body getting sucked in. You haven't seen this movie, have you? I have seen it. I've seen half, maybe parts of it on TV. I never saw it in its entirety. I don't know oh, yeah. why, uh, but you, you, you I, like, have, I have to. I have. You have to hate watch something. This is probably it. Because I assume <laughs> no, I, but I remember there's this one uh, very uh, iconic moment in the movie where the anaconda swims in the water under their boat and it's a top view you mm. see a faint, you get yeah, a glimpse of the outline, yeah, yeah. outline under the, in the water under their boat. And obviously in this movie, the size is grossly exaggerated, right? Like yeah. no anaconda is that big, but obviously I didn't know that that was my first reference point for what an anaconda is like. And maybe a few months or years later, I was watching some herpetology show on mm. animal planet or discovery. And they were talking about the, a South American anaconda and I was like, hey, this is fake, man. <laughs> I've seen anacondas much bigger than this. When anacondas aren't that quick. They're they're not Yeah, they're really slow. Exactly. Yeah. There's also a really disgusting ter- and slightly terrifying visual in this is where uh, uh John Voice character gets eaten by I think the mother yes. I don't know. Uh, and then him dude for using others as bait. And then the anaconda spits him out. Uh oh are you an anaconda like yuck. <laughs> Anaconda spits him out and she drops him and then as like his body's like there, he opens his eye and then falls. So <laughs> it's it's really disgusting and it's just there's that whole there, there are two in the movie. So again, it's like a bait and switch, much like uh, like, like there are two anacondas they, in the movie. Yeah. yeah, one they kill and then they think they they're fine, but then there's a much bigger one that shows up in the end. Surprise, motherfucker! 
Yeah, I think I'm going to watch it after we record this. Like, <laughs> what this movie is like, I mean, why was what the big fuss was about? I think this is like almost like a, a therapeutic podcast because I'm talking about issues like feelings that have come from this, like movies that we've been discussing so far. Do you want me to hold a, a book and a, a pen and be like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. some real deep rooted uh, mm-hmm. fears mm-hmm. That, that are coming out today. And I think it's mm-hmm. other people that are watching. make you feel? Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so confused. But yeah, Anaconda is, is definitely on the list there. Okay. Um, my next movie is uh, a 2002. Yeah, it was a 2002 movie. The second installment in the Blade trilogy. Um, Blade 2. I mean, pretty direct name. Uh, I, I, at the point, I didn't know it was directed by uh, Del Toro. So, obviously, having no uh, context, no background of what the movie is about, I don't even think I had seen the first Blade movie before I watched this. I watched the first Blade movie later on. So basically, what had happened, I, I very distinctly remember. This was, I was in Dubai at the time. And uh, we used to get those, you know, you remember those fake CDs we used to get? Pirated movies, mm. like three, four in one yeah. uh, disc. And you play that. So I, this was on one of those discs. And the other movie on the disc was what I wanted to watch. I, I didn't want to watch this movie. This just happened to be in, on this CD. And by some mistake, uh, I I played this movie. And uh, if you uh, if you see you've seen the movie, seen you, if you recall the first movie, the first scene is a it's an autopsy or something that they're, they're mm-hmm. uh, opening up a vampire and they're like there's something wrong with this vampire inside. Like biologically, it's different, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it wakes up and kills everyone in the uh, yeah. in the OT. Mm-hmm. And uh, five minutes, and I'm like. I can't remember what the movie was. I'm like, wait, this is not that movie. Or if it is, like, the movie's taken a turn suddenly. <laughs> but uh, uh, at that point, I, I, again, this is that age, around 12 years old, 11, 12 years old, when I just was starting to get a taste for horror. And I thought, you know what, I can take it. This this seems interesting. Let, let's watch it. Big mistake. Because, uh, and credit to Del Toro, the, the whole design of his what they call super vampires in the movie he's really redefined uh, in that movie at least he's redefined what vampires are so for those of you you've uh, or those of you that have not watched the movie one please do uh second so the way the vampires in the movie are they have like a cut down the center of their chin from the lower lip to the chin uh, and that cut kind of opens up and they have these two what do I say? Tentacles? They're not. Yeah, tentacles. like essentially the mouth opens up in yeah, a triangular like position. Yeah. Yeah. Sort know, of like, like a. Tri- a yeah. It opens in three separate directions, basically. Like it opens exactly. on the side and it opens on the top. So, like yeah, and that's how here. they like grab you and like mm-hmm. suck your blood. And it's a terrifying visual. Uh, like even to this day, while I might not be as scared of the movie, obviously watching it now versus then, that's still a terrifying visual. And even back then, you could see why Del Toro has the reputation he does now. Um, and uh, I watched the movie. Sto- I mean, it's a good movie. Nothing uh, amazing or outstanding about it. It's a good horror action movie. But I remember for a good a month or so after that, like, and this was during at the start of my school vacation uh, between the two years. Uh, the, there was a month and a half sort of school vacation. So we were at home. I didn't even have school to distract me. 
like you know to uh, mm. occupy my mind so for the next one month or so in the daytime i was fine and like evenings we used to go down to play and stuff right around sundown and i'm not even joking like around sundown when it started getting dark i started feeling this dread in my chest and i i didn't have the whatever the intelligence or that sort of whatever you don't have that mentality to connect two things yeah. right i now i know it was because subconsciously i was i had been terrified by blade 2 but uh, consciously i had watched the movie and like it was in the past mm-hmm. but uh, every evening for a good week or uh, not week for a good month or so i started feeling this dread when the when the sun started setting mm-hmm. and uh, for a few days i would have uh, nightmares in the mid- so I, we had a bunk bed in our house my uh-huh. younger okay. brother used to sleep on the lower bunk i used to sleep on the upper bunk and i used to have these nightmares of uh, the the super vampires scaling the walls and like taking me and like drinking my blood and stuff and uh, so uh, i think around the end of the month um, I, I, eventually i i sort of made the connect like okay i'm getting scared because of the movie mm-hmm. and i hated that movie for making me feel that way mm-hmm. and i've never rewatched it since i actually really like that movie um i don't know i like it's scared obviously the vampire first time you see a vampire like that um so this was a phase where i was really into vampires i just read bram stoker's dracula and i that's probably the first book that really terrified you right if you as a child if you like it's my favorite it uh, fiction novel by the way bram oh, really? stoker's unabridged oh, no, no, you told me you your favorite yeah yeah you've you've told me about this it's the sense of dread that accompanies uh, the reader with each yeah. with each like chapter especially when when meena first disappears you no know, no who's the friend disappears right first lucy weston uh, yeah lucy disappears and it's like lucy and you hear lucy being called out into the garden yeah. and yeah, so a very terrifying book and, was, and that book gave me sleepless nights when i first read it like really like mm. it was and then but obviously that begins this like trail of curiosity you start chasing down other forms of media that deal with vampires and blade kept coming up and i hadn't seen i'd seen the first one which was pretty straightforward vampires but blade 2 as you mentioned redefines the vampire genre like what super mm-hmm. what vampires are what super vampires are there's there's lore that comes with that film mm-hmm. and generally a lot more uh, it's a lot more fast paced than the original and mm-hmm. has a pretty stellar star cast ron perlman is in there as well and i the first time i saw the vampire jaws open i remember distinctly freaking out Oh man, just horrible. <laughs> But also, like uh, Wesley Snipes plays that movie extremely one note, and it works. So there's running jokes between me and my friends about like when he when Lisa is in danger, he keeps he keeps repeating the word like the name Lisa as he's fighting through hordes of vampires. And so that stuff like that sticks out. It's quite funny, and he's very deadpan uh, about the whole thing. But I like the whole ethos. Like, oh, they call him the Daywalker. and then when yeah. he's walking and then they 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 smell him and they say oh they they walkers here there's a sense of epicness to the second one it may i don't think it may have been a great movie overall i haven't seen it since 2003 2004 but i remember having a lot of fun with it and then uh, gamer delto takes that exact concept and and uh, transposes transposes it into into the strain a tv show where Yeah. Once again, people get affected, and they have the same conditions. They, their mouth opens up in in similar mm. fashion, and 
And then I first started, I was like, oh, this is, I can see the blade to influence like right here. Both those influences. Uh, so I think in the strain that I haven't seen the strain, but I think in that the creatures are also called strigoi, right? Mm, strigoi, yeah. And and uh, the strigoi are uh, the Polish variant of the vampire myth, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. The the myth that is most known to us is the the Balkan myth, which is your yeah. Hungary, Romania, mm-hmm. Transylvania myth, which where vampires have longer uh, canines, yeah, yeah, whatever those the, the longer teeth to suck blood. The Polish variant has uh, vampires or their mouths opening up and something uh, a sort of protrusion coming out to suck your blood, which uh, the strigoi that uh, are there in Polish myth is what he took inspiration from. I think in the strain he outright decided to call them strigoi. Hmm. Two other th- interesting things I, I found out about Blade 2, which I didn't know, uh, I found out when I was doing the research. One was, so there's this one scene, again, I only recall it from memory because I haven't watched it since, where the the main bad guy and Blade have a fight uh, in, is it an empty warehouse or like a backside of a disco mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. where they have that fight. There's a lot of pipes, I remember, there's a lot of pipes mm-hmm. in that, uh, the stuff that breaks. So the on in the background... There's like a uh, glass, not ceiling, like the upper half of a wall, whatever, there's mm-hmm. a glass arrangement. Mm. Apparently, the shape of the arrangement of the glass is in the shape of the eye of Agamotto from Doctor Strange. Oh, that's that's so interesting. Because, yeah, because mm-hmm. Del Toro is a big fan of Doctor Strange. And apparently, somewhere around that time, Del Toro and Neil Gaiman, Del Toro reached out to Neil Gaiman, asking if he was interested in uh, making a the adaptation of Doctor Strange for, for the big screen. Neil Gaiman was on board. Marvel was not. I think this was this was before Marvel started taking good decisions. Like, but I don't think I don't think Marvel of today hires Guillermo del Toro, or I don't think Guillermo del Toro goes to Marvel because uh, I, the the condition you work with Guillermo del Toro is that he gets full creative freedom. Yeah, yeah. Marvel uh, yeah, of today. And, sure. Yeah, and and I think Kevin Feige is like, nah, this is these these are the boundaries we've set. You can play yeah. within it. Uh, so I would have loved to see uh, Guillermo del Toro's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> Especially the, the the Multiverse of Madness that's coming soon. We'd have seen, uh, it's directed by Sam Raimi. So I'm, I'm kind of going to be, that's intriguing yeah, by itself. It's still but going to be intriguing, yeah. I would have really loved to see Guillermo del Toro's vision of it. So this, the third is, <laughs> once again, my first introduction to, uh, to a, a mainstay of Hollywood slasher films. Actually, there were two, and I'll talk to them really quickly in, in quick succession. The first slasher film I ever saw was I Know What You Did Last Summer because my parents were watching it uh, in the in the living room with, with my aunt. And I was sitting in my room and I was peeking through a door. I kept the door purposely like ajar <laughs> so I could get like a view into what these guys were watching. Oh man, and then the other films we've talked about, uh, what do you call it? Possessive entities, snakes, mm. monsters. This is the first film where there is a human going around killing people. Uh, and I think that's what terrified me the most. The fact that, oh, there are, there are people who go out there and uh, will stab, like, will stab you and kill you because they have motives. And it terrified me to a point where uh, I couldn't, uh, couldn't sleep that night. I, I felt someone was walking around the house. Um, I was scared of people in cloaks and, and especially using scythe because the, the weapon of choice in the film is a scythe. And uh, it was my entry into the slasher film genre 
And a year after that, before we were to take a bus to travel someplace, I watched the, I watched Friday the 13th part three on HBO and it was just on. I mean, mom had to come back home. I was waiting. I had some time to kill summer holidays. And like the previous antagonist, like the antagonist in I know what you did last summer gets hurt. You can see him physically get hurt. Mm. Uh, Jason Voorhees does get hurt a lot as well, but Jason Voorhees keeps coming back because he's undead and he's just, he's this weird, weird, weird character. And part three is also like deals with the whole teenagers and there's, and there's a fair bit of sex involved. And it, it basically hits those tropes, right? They're like, okay, if you have sex, if you're blonde, if it's this, that. Only keeps doing taking yeah, dumb decisions yeah, in, in order to yeah, yeah. And, uh, that that movie scared the crap out of me like, to a point where they hang him, they, they 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 drown him and still he keeps coming back. And like to, to this day, it it's it takes me it takes some sort of courage for me to watch Friday the thirteenth movie. Uh, I think I made my peace with it because the latter uh, sections of the film were uh, latter installments of the movies were quite silly. Especially when Jason goes to space and Jason X. Like, okay, this movie, yeah, this, Jason movie is just, this movie is just plain dumb. The original oh, Fast and Furious. <laughs> and, uh, as we like saying on this podcast, Jason could walk, so Fast and Furious could fly. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think those two, I don't recognize anybody from the the part three of Friday the 13th, but the stars of uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer are, are actually quite famous. It, it's Ryan Philippe, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince Jr., Prince Junior. Prince Junior, yeah. And Johnny Galecki somewhere there as well. Johnny Galecki is the first one to die in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, correct. Mm. He's also in the movie. Right, right, right. Mm. Yeah, a lot of lot of big names came out of that movie. Mm. Yeah, right. And I think I haven't seen any of the Friday the 13th movies. Like, I don't know why, just no particular reason. But um, I remember watching, uh, I, I, I know what you did last summer and there's a sequel. And I still know, I still what, know what you did. What you did yeah. And all, I'll, I'll always know what you did last summer. I don't know. I haven't seen that. I've seen, I know and I, I, and I still know. I still know mm-hmm. has Jack Black in dreads, which is a very weird <laughs> visual. Interesting proposition for me to watch <laughs> it, now. It exists. They're on an island somewhere. And it's a very dumb movie. Like it, just one and done would have been the best, but mm. this movie made... Uh, made a billion, uh, made a lot of money, and it also brought together a very famous couple. So, yeah, of which uh, neither of them are very active now, are they? You know, I mean, Freddie I think, Prince Junior. I know isn't, but Sarah Michelle Geller is. is no, I she think working? She, I, I think I don't think Sarah Michelle Geller needs to lift a finger to do any oh, sort she's of made work. Enough, yeah, yeah, because Sarah Michelle Geller must be making so much bank off, off of Buffy. Off of Buffy. Yeah, yeah and Freddie Prince Junior. Freddie Prince Junior. Did a lot of those. He was that uh, the boy, the boy toy, that boy's charm dude for all these '90s rom-com movies, and he did a fair few mm-hmm. of them. And I think to break he off from it, he, yeah, he broke off, and he, he, I think he writes for the WWE now, and he does Star Wars. What stuff. the what? He writes for the WWE. Huh? Yeah, he's on the. He writes. He does storylines for the WWE. He's a big WWE fan, so I didn't know this at all. This yeah, is yeah. huge. Today I learned for me. Mm, yeah. Pretty Prince Junior is just chilling, living his life, taking part in Star Wars, Star Wars quizzes. So yeah, with that, moving on to the next, I think for me also, this is a sort of double header because uh, one, both of them are inspired by Japanese movies and mm. also similar kind of the look of the, the, the entity here also fairly similar. I think 
close close in a one was 2002 one was 2004 i think the ring mm-hmm. and the grudge mm-hmm. so both of these movies i think i'd i'd watched somewhere around the same time and uh, again uh, more than the story for both of these movies more than the story it's the atmosphere the, the movies build which the atmosphere is even scarier than the japanese originals uh, which i saw later on but both these movies kind of uh, had the i think it started the whole trope of you know those young girls with hair and that mm. old look of the the ghost started in these movies and we we've seen that in so many movies even to this state a lot of horror movies use that trope scary movie and um, i mean <laughs> is that the legend i mean no it's not it's it, it is a horror movie in a different in a different way <laughs> it ruined the ring for me but we'll get to it later <laughs> yeah yeah so both these both these movies uh, again i i i i know the story now because i saw it again later on back then it wasn't as much about the story but every time that ghost appeared on screen it was quite scary and i think in grudge it was in grudge where they had that whole the sound that the ghost used to make the whole uh, mm mm-hmm. i remember these motherfuckers in school used to come behind your back and just do uh, <laughs> just like fuck you do <laughs> i have enough problems in my life right now. <laughs> but yeah i remember that movie scaring me quite a bit as a kid mm-hmm. i mean i wasn't i was slightly older then but uh, but yeah i still remember being scared shitless in those movies mm-hmm. the ring i think um catapulted uh, naomi watched a fame right because that was like her big i wouldn't say she had when was, when was malolan drive was it 2004 oh, okay yeah then then that was this movie then mm. malolan drive is it is uh, is Was it a hit? Or was it just an indie darling? No, maybe yeah, indie darling. But yeah, maybe she would have gotten yeah. Anyway, I, I don't think Malhotra Drive did as much for her career as Ring did. Surely, I, I think she must have gotten a lot of like films off of Malhotra Drive because like maybe in the in the public conscience she she got a. I mean, the Ring was like the breakout. Exactly. But, exactly. But for career wise, better Malone, for her career. Yeah, because there is some. She's phenomenal in that movie. You haven't seen Malhotra Drive yet, have you? No. Hmm. That is, that is I'll, a, I'll get to uh, I'll get to his filmography eventually. I've only seen parts of Eraserhead so far. There's a movie called The Simple Things. It's about a dude who goes to see his family on a lawn mower. Huh? Yeah. The David Lynch movie. David Lynch movie. Called The Simple. Oh, Things. sorry. I've seen uh, two other movies. Uh, so I've seen Elephant Man, obviously, amazing. Uh-huh. John Hurt was amazing. Uh, the other movie, there's a short movie on Netflix. Oh, yeah, so, so he's they released a couple of years ago. Yeah, about a monkey. He's talking to a monkey, and yeah, uh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with David Lynch, but coming back to the ring, you were saying. Yeah, so I've I don't remember much of that film. I just remember obviously it, it scared me, and then I think Scary Movie came back and three uh, uh, came <laughs> in quick succession, and that just ruined the film for me. Like where it just. Uh, Where, you know when they would literally pull the girl out of the television and beat the shit out of her and throw her throw her back in. <laughs> this this bitch is messing up my flow. But I think I don't like these movies. But I think the earlier ones, first three maybe scary movies were actually. Mm. I think just the, the three they were funny and then four round it was just shy. Just shy. Yeah, three was probably the best bet. Yeah. Um but yeah I think you have one more on this list a slightly unorthodox choice. 
yes, I do. Uh, that it's not a movie. But before I get to that, I I forgot to mention this when you were talking about the horror show and Ahar. I don't know if you watched around 2004, 2005. Ramgo Pal Verma had a movie, Darna Mana Hai. Mm, yeah. It, it was very reminiscent of an Ahar kind of anthology format because each of those characters tells a scary story. It was an interesting movie. Most of the stories weren't scary, but if you recall, there's one with Vivek Oberon and Nana. I was just about to talk about it. Uh, oh, you! Oh, yeah, I love that story. That, that one story was really good. The it, it has a it, it has a real bait and switch. Yeah, mm. amazing bait and switch. The payoff is awesome. Acting is nice. The way the story is like it, the builds is amazing. Uh, we also, so if you when you were talking you, about Ahad, I was reminded of that. Also, if you want to talk about like RGV 2003, he had Booth. which was booth is pretty scary and uh, by itself and he had con a few years earlier which is not a horror movie but is a bit of a thriller uh, yeah con starring umila matonkar and manoj bajpai and umila matonkar is yeah. locked locked in the house and uh, manoj bajpai bajpai started trying to get in yeah the split first no, no yeah something similar something like that yeah it's she's the yeah, antagonist Yeah, something like that. Oh, speaking of films that terrified me as a child, I have to talk about this, and I think you know where I'm going with this. Um, in 1996, there was a seven. There was a Bobby Diaw movie that came out, and this was the first time my idea of a killer was challenged because oh, I am uh, of course Gup, talking Gup. about Gup. So, oh, Gup <laughs> is uh, was. probably the saddest movie for me like when i first started because i yeah, can we talk about spoilers this is like this is probably india's biggest spoilers right this is like kaiser soze of india india like, basically kaiser soze or whatever you pick those big spoilers because movies. like yeah two i so this way iconic. people don't spoil go yeah because two iconic moments are, like in in the 90s that really scared me one was the reveal in gup and the second is from bazigar uh is when uh, shilpa shetty and uh, shahrukh khan are on the roof and yeah. he says i love you and he throws her off the roof and yeah. dude like yeah like at that whole like, jaw drop that, moment yeah jaw drop moment so but so good i, uh, I think we can talk about we gup. should do the we can but we should do the right thing continue the tradition of being very careful with gup spoilers guys spoiler alert for gup if you <laughs> don't want to listen skip maybe a minute or so ahead Keep about yeah. I'd say two minutes just to be on the safer side. <laughs> What do you have to say? But okay. So Gupt is uh, uh, it revolves around this guy who's trying to solve a murder where people around him are dying, uh, like a like Manisha people around Manisha Kerala are dying. People associated with him and how, how do you put it? People who Manisha Kerala could have killed are dying. Mm, are dying. So that's, yeah. that's the whole. Mm. Yeah. And then the the bait and switch is that. It's in fact Kajol who's killing everyone. But I, I, I forget her uh, intentions because what she was wrong. She loves him. She hmm. loves Bobby Diol, and hmm. when like Manisha Kerala and Bobby Diol's parents set them up for marriage, hmm. Kajol is like, if I kill people such that it looks like Manisha Kerala's character could have a motivation for killing those guys, hmm. I can frame her. She can go to jail. and we both as like wow that is convoluted af <laughs> but yeah at the time the reveal did blow my mind also yeah, gupt has uh, has a, a reference to they've ripped off a plot point from shawshank redemption where in oh, really? he has to escape through the 
to uh, oh, yeah. escape the jail through the the shit tunnel no not the latrine tunnel <laughs> and he gets out and he also when he comes out it's raining and he does the whole whatever the, the famous pose from shawshank so they did rip should, that off from shawshank should put that in a quiz <laughs> i'm sure like <laughs> no no take the scene from shawshank and say this happens in an indian movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a whole locket yeah, also that comes in that that's there so isn't there a locket that plays a big part it's in the it's in the title card also there's a knife and there's a locket there is the there is there is hmm. uh, i forgot what the plot point was yeah I anyway the, yeah no the locket is found on the body of one of the uh, what one of the victims and hmm. inside there's a photo of whatever in its kajol's locket it has hmm. uh, bobby deval and kajol's photo she's put her own photo or something hmm. that's yes. what i recall Okay, I think it's time we move on to uh, your my mystery story. Yes. Mystery story, yes, let's do it. So the last entry of uh, thing in the list of things that scared me as a kid was uh, I'm sure a lot of you know this the 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 Doordarshan anthem that used to come every Sunday morning before Mahabharat, which was Mile Sur Mera Tumhara. Now you guys must be wondering what fucking Mile Sur Mera Tumhara scared me, but. Um, If you guys can recall it it was like a what a 10 11 minute segment wherein obviously you had the song covered areas of india and you had it being sung in different languages with people uh, wearing whatever traditional clothing and stuff today if you see the video on youtube which is around 6 minute it only has the song but i distinctly recall not just the song uh, apart from the 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 singing and the music there were like these 30 second segments of uh, traditional arts from each of those regions like say if you're uh, showing west bengal uh, so there's a part in bengali of the song and immediately after that maybe a 15 20 second of some art dance form or something from that area and when they were doing kerala uh, they showed uh, kathakali so they showed 30 seconds of or so of kathakali and as a 5 6 year old kid seeing those guys in green with the red <laughs> eyes and all of that makeup I used to be terrified. So every Sunday, yeah, every every Sunday morning, uh, when Mile Sur Mera Tumhara would start, around the time when the whole Kerala segment started, I would run off and stand to the side of the TV, and I would tell my parents, "Tell me when the green men have gone, and I'll come back and watch the TV." Obviously, now looking back, it it seems stupid, but uh, yeah. I think about it as a kid. Yeah, no, I can imagine without any context. Yeah, without any context. <laughs> without any context, right? Kathak dances are quite terrifying. I, I totally get it. Like, well, especially for so, people who have no idea what they what what's happening, and there are just these random guys with like who who making eye movements and moving from left to right. It's just it's, it's a pretty fucking terrifying concept. So yeah, in fact, uh, I couldn't. Uh, so what happened was when I was trying to recall the exact memory for this for this episode. Uh, I wanted to make sure whether this was Mile Sur Mera Tumhara because I couldn't recall whether it was that song, and I checked. That's why I checked online, and it only had the six-minute version. So I called my mom. I I asked her, "Do you remember as a kid? Um, I used to do this." She was laughing like, "Yeah, you were an idiot." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I, I know that, but do you remember what the song was?" Uh, she's like, uh, "No, no, I don't remember the the exact song. Let me think about it and get back to you." But she asked, "Why do you want to know this?" I told her we're doing the episode on on this team. She's like, tell them about the Jurassic Park two movie. How you do it our, our weekend? Like, Don't worry, I'm only telling that story. You tell me whether this was the song. But uh, she didn't get back to me. But I'm fairly certain it was this. There used to be 
um, mm. those dances in the song uh and what a what a way to end the episode like <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you, like for the viewers listeners who probably th- thinking oh, i wonder where they going to, what they going to go off on uh and this is what we're going to go off on <laughs> on, uh, on the kathak dances of familiar sort of not even uh, yeah, but, um, i think this episode uh, not not as much of a critical view on things like we yeah it's yeah it's uh, more of a, but it was a nice trip down memory lane yeah it's kind of like it was like the other side of nostalgia what like last week was all about how uh we we looked at films that made us feel good this time we looked at films that made us feel like shit but we somehow like we have a weird sense of fondness for them that's kind of where this comes from really like we wouldn't like these these are the films were the first two caras in an emotional way and probably make yeah. us feel things we'd never experienced before and which is why in they kind of hold a special place uh in our memory even though we don't want them to but it's still, they're still there anyway and uh i guess what we can be thankful for the experiences we've had because we wouldn't be here without them the only other um, director whose movies still make me feel the way these movies made me feel as a kid is someone we'll definitely be doing an episode on down the line which is ari aster yeah we'll take a look at his work we'll take a look at uh, midsummer which and we'll also take a look at his uh, short films right those are those are something yes yeah uh, that's something we really want to talk about then yeah that's that's what i'm going to spending be spending this week doing i'm going to be checking out his short films But yes, now that we know what we're doing next week, I mm-hmm. think that's it from us this week. Yeah. So no, but yeah, before we go, we kind of want to like, if you've, uh, we kind of want to know what are the movies that scared you because this will go up on our socials. So just like if you could leave a comment saying uh, what kind of films that scared you in the past and, you know, uh, we'll, like we did last week, we promised to do last week, we will do a commenter's edition maybe about five, ten episodes down the line where we re-address some of the fan favorites uh, and we'll talk about them in detail and if possible get some of you on the pod to join us uh, and you know take us through your experience absolutely we are looking forward to them guys but um, yeah other than that that that's it from us um have a have a good week <laughs> be safe and uh, watch out for what's a scary Anacondas. what's a scary movie yeah <laughs> watch out scary for yourself Anacondas. every now and then in india or okay yeah cool i mean we live in, in a scary general, time that's good that's good general good uh, life advice and just watch out for anacondas watch out for anacondas uh, and also like i know life is scary in, in general so probably i don't know if you want to make it worse for yourself watch a scary movie or watch a funny scary movie it could be one of any of the two and so yeah we'll see you next week take care okay so they opened their big mouths and out came talk Talk, talk.